Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio recording episode number 19. I can't believe we got 19 going, Tori. I know, the, the numbers awesome. for uh, this and for everything fast, but just seem to be clicking Growing. on up there. It's, it's exciting. I guess that means we're getting older too, though, right? Yeah, well, every week's a week older, but uh, <laughs> a week, hopefully a week smarter, thanks to uh, uh, our listeners uh, helping us uh, decide what we want to do with... Uh, with each episode. So awesome. uh, th- this episode is sponsored by Cleat It Up FP. Cleat It Up FP is our partner and presenting sponsor. Cleat It Up FP is the tool you need to have to communicate within your team and within your organization. It's a great tool for sharing information. It's also a great tool for sharing highlights, uh, fun stuff, accomplishments. Um, so check them out at cleatitup.com. It is free. And free is always a great place for softball free coaches to start thing. looking. Yeah, um, We've had some feedback from people that have started using Cleat It Up and love it, basically been echoing the same things that we've been talking about, about how simple it is to use, how amazing it is to have all the flexibility, and how it's just streamlined to their communication within their team. Got to uh, check it so out. It's a real a real blessing. Yeah. So Don, for episode number 19 today, we're going to talk about bunt defense. We spent a couple of episodes talking about bunting and the offensive side of it a little bit ago. Uh, one listener, uh, John, asked us to talk about bunt defense. So what we're going to do this week is talk about basic sets and kind of our base plan of attack for bunt coverages, playing bunt defense. And then we'll uh, add in next week some specialty things and some uh, maybe next level things that you can start to think about. Nice, so, yeah. So first off, let's just kind of draw a picture in our heads of the infield positioning. Uh, when are we thinking bunt defense when we have a runner at first, runner at first and second? Usually with no outs, but sometimes with one. Now, we have to always be aware of the bunt because a bunt can always happen in our game, obviously, bunting for hits and things like that. That's a corner mentality, right? Right. But some of it is also you know, very specific to certain situations. You know, One of the things that we're seeing more and more in our game is teams specifically positioning themselves defensively for certain situations. You know, uh, once upon a time, you would never see a third baseman even with the bag or behind the bag, and you would never see a first baseman behind the bag. But now you're seeing that positioning more and more um, when teams feel confident that they're facing big hitters and and kids that are not likely to bunt. Uh, But obviously, if you know we've got our corner infielders that deep, you know, then hopefully it's based on something that we know or really firmly believe about what the team is likely to do in that situation. No, no doubt. And again, there are kids like that. We need to play back field the ball because they're going to hit it. Right. But so our basic bunt defense would come to us in a situation where we have a leadoff runner on or runners on first and second, playing in a, in a situation where we're anticipating that a bunt is likely. Our first baseman and third baseman are going to be up. Now, how far up, I guess, depends on each coach's attitude and how sure you are that that hitter is going to bunt. But typically, uh, I think, you know, kind of a standard operating procedure would be somewhere in that 40 to 45 foot range. Uh, as a starting position. Um, if you're 100% sure that she's going to bunt, it might be a little bit closer. If you're 100% not sure she's going to bunt, better, then maybe a little bit deeper. Dig in your heels. <laughs> yeah. So our corners are going to be up, and our corners are really the key uh, to my way of thinking of running a good, solid bunt defense. Uh, our middle infielders are going to be positioned, placed to get to the base that they are likely to have to cover in a bunt play, but we want to do that without giving up too much extra ground. If we anticipate a bunt, does not mean that our second baseman can start off 10 feet from first base because she thinks that she's going to first base to cover the bunt, then leave the rest of the make, field just open. Just to make life easy at first. Right. We want to work on that basic set, that basic positioning to kind of get our players comfortable. When we talk about bunt D, 
um, that that's where we're starting. We'll talk about some options later on um, that uh, might change that positioning just a little bit. Sure. But so for us, our basic defensive uh, set for any time we expected a bunt was first and third end. Corners in. And middles positioning wherever they need to to cover as much ground as possible but still get to the base that they need to cover. Which makes sense, right? We want right. to, yeah. yeah, don't be lazy yeah. is and, what we're and, saying. And basically, we always talked about positive and negative space. Give and take. Yeah, there. negative space is space that we lose by getting too close to the base to cover. And positive space, positive distance, is the amount of space I gain by being able to be further away from the base and still get there in time to make the play. Right. Think about that second baseman. You know, a perfect position would probably be you know close to their normal position, and then still be quick enough, fast enough to get all the way to first base to cover. That's ideal. Yeah, but that's part of why we want to talk about practicing this stuff too, so that we can figure out what all those things are, where that range is, right? What what that distance really needs to be. Yep. The first thing that we always talk about then with our bunt defense is communication. We anticipate the bunt. We've got our corner players in. And we want there to be no doubt about what's happening. We want either the first baseman or the third baseman, depending upon whether it's a right-handed or left-handed hitter, to sort of be the captain of the defense or the captain of the ship. And as soon as they see the hitter making a movement that tips off that they're going to bunt, you know, the top hand starts to slide up the bat, their feet start to pivot, their feet start to move, any of those things that could be indicators that they're getting ready to bunt, that captain, that cruise ship director, yells bunt, calls bunt as loud as they possibly can. Once that happens, then everybody else is going to echo that message, and we're going to uh, make sure that everybody on the field knows that that... What is what we're anticipating. Right, and that the corner infielder who has that responsibility has made that call. Now, here's the first trick to this. If she's wrong, we still have to go with what she says. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So if she says bunt, first baseman and the third baseman start to charge, start to aggressively come towards home plate. If the hitter pulls back and gets ready to hit, they can freeze and hold as much as they can, but we're not going to try to get back to where we were. We're not going to try to undo the space that we've covered. We're going to do the best we can to play the position where we're at. Never seen anybody field the ball well backpedaling. Right, and and ducking and covering. Yep. Okay. so, So the first baseman or third baseman says bunt, our corner infielders are going to immediately start to crash. Okay, we want to put as much pressure on that bunter as we possibly can, and the way we increase pressure on the bunter is to get as close to her as we possibly can. And in a perfect world, Tori, we're trying to get the lead runner. That's, right, that's our first consideration. Yep, that's not the end. That's not the end game necessarily, but right. When in doubt, get an out, but put pressure on them and see if we can get that lead runner. Right. If we if we can put pressure on the bunter and make it harder for her to get that bunt down successfully, all of a sudden she starts trying to do something a little bit tricky. Maybe she pops it up. Tries to maybe push she, at yeah, it. Maybe or... she misses. You know, maybe she bunts it so hard that we get a little line drive. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe she bunts it so hard that we get a one hopper and we can tr- turn a double play. And all those things are definitely possibilities. But so when we call bunt, our corners are going to press up. Our second baseman is going to always cover first base. Always mm-hmm. in bunt defense. And bunt defense and slap defense are different things. Make sure we're we're all clear on that. So our bunt defense, our second baseman's always covering first base. Always. Shortstop's going to have responsibilities at either second base or third base, depending upon where the base runners start. Okay? So let's say we got a runner at first, nobody out. Runner at first, defense is in our basic bunt position, basic bunt set. The first baseman sees the third baseman starting to square. She yells bunt. Our first baseman, third baseman are going to press in as far as they can, as fast as they can. 
Second baseman's going to be ready to go cover first base, and our shortstop's going to be ready to go cover second base. Now, they don't break quite as quickly as the corners, but they're kind of anticipating it, kind of getting ready to move. But they're going to hold a little bit because we they have enough time to still get where they need to comfortably. Comfortably, and they're not their job isn't to put pressure on the hitter. Their job is to get to the base to cover where they need to be. Get the out. Okay. Ball gets bunted. Third baseman fields it. She looks and there's no play at second. She's runner, gonna, runner got a good runner jump. got a good jump. There's no play at second. She's got time. She's going to make the play to first to the second baseman covering. If the third baseman fields the ball. The catcher is going down to third base to cover third. Because they should be going towards the ball anyway. Right. They're following and, the ball. Right. And um, it puts us in a position then when we can have somebody who's used to handling the ball that's prepared for it covering a base. It also allows us then to have our left fielder be our backup person instead of our coverage person. Anytime we have outfielders covering bases, we are setting ourselves up for a potential disaster because if we have outfielders covering bases, we have nobody to back up those plays. So, Tori, I've seen one other that I would kind of consider a no-no is uh, the other person that's going towards that ball would be the pitcher, and they're moving towards that ball when third base fields it to to make throw either second or first. The pitcher could curl around and, and come in and cover third base, but that's really the last person in my opinion, that we want to be there for a, a bang-bang play right? You know, after the out at first. So yeah, we want to keep that pitcher comfy and safe. Right. Yeah. Well, And the reason I like the catcher covering third is, let's say we have that aggressive base runner who tries to go first to third or something happens and a ball gets misplayed and there's a chance to make a play at third. I would love to have my catcher there with her shin guards and her chest protector and they're, her knowledge of how to make a tag. They're used to that stuff. Versus the pitcher yeah. who's probably already in a panic because something just went wrong. And and again, you know, depending upon the level that we're talking about, you know, there's some teams, you know, some age levels where the pitcher is by far the best player on the field. And I think coaches fall in love with the idea then of having her involved in as many plays as possible. But I think that's a really dangerous trap. So we've also got our, our catcher leaving, going to third base. A nice place for them to be would be hanging around towards home maybe. right yeah and potentially backing it up because whichever yeah. one of our corner infielders didn't make the play now they cover home so in our situation before what should end up happening when we're done making the play the shortstop should be at second the catcher should be at third the second baseman should be at first the first baseman should be covering home and the pitcher should be backing up a potential play at the plate the left fielder would be backing up the play at third Center fielders floating around somewhere around second base to back that play up, and the right fielders down the right field line to back up that throw. And are. so we've got everything covered. We've got everything backed up. We're in a perfect world situation where if something does go wrong, we can mitigate the, the damage, but it also puts us in a position where we can make the right plays. Everybody's got something to do, though. Absolutely. Everybody's got a job. Flip side, let's say the same situation. We've got a runner at first. Now the ball gets bunted towards the first baseman. If the first baseman makes the play, then I would typically have the third baseman retreat and cover third. The catcher would stay home. That's something we're going to practice because if the third baseman's coming in really aggressively, it might still be easier for the catcher to just go cover third. So again, too, sometimes where the ball's pitched, if we're in a bunt situation, we can encourage a batter to, to bunt to one side or the other. It's not a guarantee or a for sure. But the higher level of our pitching uh, skills, the the greater the possibility of that, where right. we can make them bunt to one side or the other. And, and I, meant, I forgot to mention uh, the role of the pitcher in our basic defense. The pitcher's job, to my way of thinking, is 
you throw the pitch, and then you defend the middle of the field. Sure. I don't want the pitcher charging. I don't want the pitcher aggressively coming in to make plays. And I don't want the pitcher overly involved in having to make any plays on bunt plays. The reason for that is simple. I think if we have that pitcher charging, if she's making a pitch and then worrying about defensive obligations, yep. I think she's more likely to make a bad pitch. Which makes a, a which, tougher which could, situation. Which could create problems to begin with. Um, and I think it also puts us in a position where we have a very difficult time protecting the middle of the field. When we talked about offensive side of bunting, I mean, we talked about slug bunt and fake bunt swing away and all these different tools that hitters have. Well, the only person that can effectively protect the middle is the pitcher. So we want the pitcher to stay in the circle. If something does happen, a ball gets bunted really hard, that kind of thing, she can make the play. Of course. But we don't want her attitude to be, I'm going to charge in there you know, storm in there and, and be the one to make all the plays because I think that's a really dangerous precedent. No, I think they're the backup role. And, you know, as we're chatting about it, they're going to cut across third base and they're going to read the throw. If, if a backup's needed at third, then that's where they're going to be. And otherwise they're going to, you know, get into the pickle between right. home, and, home and third maybe. In the situation we would like to see play out, if we were going to look at the uh, uh, number of bunted balls as a percentages uh, kind of deal, in my world, perfect world is the third baseman's going to probably field about 80% of the bunts. I think the first baseman's going to field about 10%. I think the catcher's going to get about 9%. And I think the pitcher should get one, okay, yeah. on bunts. And that 1% is going to be the tricky bunt that the offense is trying to throw at us. So I, I think when we're when we're chatting too, Tori, we're dreaming the college level that we're most familiar with or a high-level travel ball. But some of the younger kids, you know, there might be bunts that are more up the middle. So our pitchers will need to be prepped and prepared. And, right. Um, but the higher the level, the less likely. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and even at the youngest levels, I still think we want to train our kids to play For sure. the game yeah. um, uh, with the idea of what the best way to play it is. And one of the things that's a trap that I think that we fall into uh, as coaches is, you know, we look out there and say, well, Sally's our pitcher, but she's our best player. So we want her to field all the bunts, and we want her to be the cutoff person, and we want her to be the relay person, and we want her to be the, the backup person, and we want her to do all these things. And for that short-term payoff, that makes sense because your best player is handling the ball as much as possible. I'm, I'm just thinking that the batter's going to have more uh, air in where they're directioning, right. directioning the, the bunt, so they might end up having to field more. But Yeah. But but, right. but, but, right. but either way, and I think so for us as coaches, you know, when we're thinking about how we, we want to teach our players to play these different situations, I would always start off with, well, perfect world, what would it look like if I could have exactly what I want? I'm going to start off trying for that. I'm going to you know, start off trying to build my defense, thinking, well, this is exactly what I want. This is the best case scenario because it covers all the options, covers all the bases, you know, everything's covered, everything's backed up, this works out great. If I have to adjust something because the personnel on my team force me to, there's nothing wrong with making that adjustment, but I would still keep chasing after what I think is right. I wouldn't settle for something else just because it's easier oh, or keep... because it works right now because it might not work in six months. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking that, uh, again, their skill level might not allow them to, right. to bunt it to first or third. I mean, we'd rather as a batter, you know, make one of those corners field the ball so they can't cover a base but man i think for our defense so if if we have a third baseman who expects the 
pitcher to get all the balls. Oh, no. She's no, never no. going to come charging in the way we want her to. No, no. So our defense is never going to get where we want it to be. The plan needs yeah. to be the right and, plan. And, yeah. and if the first baseman's trying to decide, well, do I come in on the bunch or do I cover the base? You know, then we're going to have train wrecks at first base because we're going to have two different people two both people. trying to do the same job. Oh, for and sure. So, so our basic set, I think, solves all that. So now, you know, one other possibility, let's say we've got runners at first and second. So we want to just talk about this real quick. Everything starts off the same. The only thing that changes now is... It's a little tricky. Our shortstop's covering third base, and second base is basically left uncovered because the second baseman's still covering first, shortstop's covering third. Now, we w- always used our center fielder to come in and cover second base in that situation but we had one absolute scary one absolute rule she's there for window dressing we never threw the ball to the center fielder ever never ever (laughs) ever never throw it to the somewhere it's happened though it has happened but it happens because we don't drill that into our players enough that you don't throw it to the center fielder (laughs) reason being is there's nobody behind her. right there's absolutely no backup yeah and if it gets by a player who's not used to making tag plays who's not used to handling the ball around second base when somebody's sliding into her, before you know it, that slide scares her. She turns away from the ball a little bit. It takes a weird hop, whatever it is. And it's out there on the warning track in center field, and that girl who was sliding into second is now in the dugout cheering with her teammates. I'm thinking something. Somebody rounds the bag, and everybody's eyes get really big, and oh yeah, and we fire the ball trying to get all excited. Right, but but so we so we have to practice that. So in runners at first and second, you know the basic set is the same. We're going to press in. We see bunt, we call bunt. Once we call bunt, we aggressively charge. Middle infielders go to the appropriate bases to cover. And if we have a chance to get that play at third, then we're in a position to have the shortstop there to take the throw, but we still have the left fielder there to back it up. So again, they're shading to those bases as least possible so that they can still make the play. Right. Right. And again, that's where the practice time comes in. She needs to know if it's going to take her a second and a half to get there. Well, this is where she needs to be to cover that distance. But she's got to beat the runner. Right. And she's got to be there in enough time that she can adjust a little bit to the throw. If she's on the run, catching the ball on the fly, hoping that she's going to catch the ball on the fly and then find the bag and step on the bag and all that stuff, that gets to be a pretty complex scenario. Under pressure, yeah. 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 The one good thing about the first and second starting position is... Getting the lead runner at third base, if you're really good at this base defense, happens a lot. And it's gold. Yeah, it happens a lot. And there's nothing even more heartbreaking for the offensive team to give up a runner, give up an out, and still not advance the runner. So if you've got your defense playing in this set and positioning in a position where they can put this much pressure on the offense, it makes bunting a whole lot harder, and it can end up turning what might be a rally for them into a heartbreaker, something where you can kind of maybe regain control of the momentum because you get that lead runner. No, it's exciting, but it's got to be practice. Right. The one reason why we have to especially emphasize this is a lot of times travel ball level for sure. Um, and uh, a lot of situations, teams don't do a lot of bunting until it gets time to play championship level play. You Not know, We're enough. playing in showcases and things like that. You know, a lot of times we're letting the kids hack, you know, we're letting them just get their swings. And you know, we spend a couple of months in the summer chasing after all these different showcases, trying to showcase our players, um, but we're not seeing very many bunts. So we probably don't emphasize it enough. You know, if it doesn't happen in a game for a while, we start to think that it's, you know, less likely to happen. All of a sudden, all of a sudden you're at the big national tournament or the big end of the year tournament, 
and every run is gold and, and teams are bunting and putting pressure on you all the time. It's like you look around and go, oh, wait a second, we haven't been working on this as much as we should have. Well, and I think something you said earlier, Tori, about uh, you know having your corners play tight enough to create a pressure on that batter, and I think that's a big point. Um, it is scary to get in there close. We talked about defensive masks and things like that to give kids more safety and confidence. You know, being in there closer puts tons of pressure on that batter, and it also gives more time. You know, the ball gets to our defender a little quicker and gives more time to get that lead runner possibly. Right, yeah. No, if, if you're really pressing in, let's say the third baseman's really on top of that, that bunter, and you get a one-hopper, two-hopper bunt, you can you know, get that runner going to third base easily. The one thing that we saw a lot of, and again, this is you know for our next discussion, but we had one year where we had about eight, maybe 10 double plays out of bunt plays because the first baseman and third baseman were super aggressive, had strong enough arms that we could go five, six, four on double plays, which is unheard of. Now, we all, now a couple of them were also pop-ups that turned into double plays. And, um, but and it's, the, it's a pretty cool thing when you can have that backbreaker for your defense. And not all kids have tons and tons of speed that are on the bases, too. Right. And you never know where you're at in the lineup yeah. when the situation comes about. So, so there's lots of things about the bunt defense that we want to emphasize, but obviously practicing it a lot and practicing it knowing that the long game is important, that it might not be something that's going to happen all the time, but it almost always happens when the game's on the line. And one more piece, too, is when in doubt, get an out. Yeah. Right? So as we're talking about, you know, turning double plays and such there, if it's going to be close at third base, I'd much rather get an out at first and be sure. Because if if it's doubtful, it's it's a heartbreaker if you end up with bases loaded at that point, right? Right. And again, that's, I think, you know, a lot of what we talk about comes back to practicing it enough and and simulating it well enough that your players are are familiar if you don't practice it very much, you know, when your third baseman comes up and looks, you know, sometimes they can't tell the difference between a runner that's, you know, five feet from the bag or a runner that's twenty-five feet from the bag. How much time do I have? Yeah. yeah. And if they if they haven't tried it in practice and, and thought they could get the girl who was five feet away and she's safe every time, and then not thrown it and recognize that, that girl that was twenty-five feet away, she could have gotten her every time. You know, we just need to have enough repetition of it to to get comfortable with it. And maybe too also being aware of who is on base. You right. know, as I said that, I mean, if we got the, the first, second runner in their lineup on first and second, that's a little different than, uh, you know, some of the others that might not be as quick. Right. Well, we'll throw this quick sidebar in because we've talked about it in yeah. the past, but in our defensive uh, plan, we always had code. And the code was to help us communicate what we thought about a base runner. If we said it was a one at first, that meant a fast girl. If we said a two at first, that was an average girl. And if it was a three or three plus on base, that was a slow to potentially really slow. I hit dingers. <laughs> but the, the point being, it wasn't meant to be mean spirited. We no, didn't. You know, we wanted our code to be so our players could understand what we were Just talking to be about. Prepared. But yeah, yeah. if, if uh, we look out there and we've got a one at two, and a one at one, and a three at the plate, right? And the ball gets bunted, then you kind of have an idea in we your mind, you know, of how much time I have to go to first versus yep. how much time I don't have. To get the to lead go to runner. second or third, or, or vice versa. You know, if it's three at second or three plus at second, thinking, okay, if they bunt here, we got a really good shot at getting the lead runner. Now, of course, you have the exceptions where somebody looks like they might be slow that's not, or somebody who might be slow that's a really good base runner that gets a good jump and is is faster, effectively faster than they are just you know raw speed. Again, another thing to add to your communication, another thing to add to your defensive plan, 
to give your kids an edge. And you know, we're looking for the edge um, because we want this edge to come through for us. We want this knowledge to come through for us when the game's on the line, and certainly all season long. But just think how amazing it is when uh, you know you're playing in that state championship game or that national championship game or league championship game, and the winning runs at second with nobody out, and they try to bunt to get her over to third for the winning run at the you know the bottom of the seventh inning, and they can't get that bunt down we're, or they can't get that runner moved. We're comfortable and confident because we worked on it, right? So, so coaches, bunt defenses, work on it a lot, plan on it, try to come up with a plan for your team that you have total confidence in, like I have in our basic bunt defense. So. Um, next week, we're going to talk about taking the bunt defense to another level and possibilities to do some special things with it that are going to really put pressure on the offense and and give your defense a chance to make those ESPN top 10 plays of the day kinds of plays. Get you out of the, get you out of the tough spot. Get you out of that tough spot and maybe give you a chance to win a game that you might not have otherwise been in as strong a position to win. Nice, so, nice. Um, so as always, Coach Prep is sponsored by Cleat It Up FP. Please check them out at cleatitup.com. Your communication tool, you've got to check it out. Once you start using it, let us know because we would love to hear more stories. I've heard a bunch already from people that have started using Cleat It Up that love it. So uh, let us know that that's true. Please uh, share Coach Prep with your coaching friends. If you have friends that you know are really interested in this game, are not listeners, we'd love to uh, you know, have you help us uh, grow uh, all our podcasts, but certainly Coach Prep and everything fast pitch. If you can help us with that, that would be greatly appreciated. As always, we appreciate the fact that you listen in the first place, but now help us get uh, your friends and other coaches involved. If you have any questions, suggestions, or ideas for topics, please let us know. You can reach us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. So for Coach Don McKinley, this is Coach Corey Atchison from the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studios, and thanks for listening to Coach Prep. We'll talk to you again next week.